Hey everybody, what's up? It's Chase. Welcome to another episode of the Chase Jarvis Live Show here on Creative Live. You know this show. I sit down with amazing humans, unpack their brain, and share it with you in this amazing format where we get to hear long-form, conversational uh, genius at work with the world's top creators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. And today's guest is Danielle Walker, someone I've been trying to get on the show for a while. She's very busy because all she does is write New York Times bestselling books and spread amazing knowledge about food. Now, uh, food obviously is required for human life, and I like to enjoy food. At the same time, I want to be more mindful of what I put in my body. So uh, a number of years ago, I started paying close attention to that. And one of the people's work that I stumbled on, lo and behold, was Danielle's. She had written a number of cookbooks, one that I loved called Eat What You Love. And uh, this talked about both the positive benefits of eating intelligently such that you can maximize performance, but it was also a realist's view of this stuff. Like, hey, you can still have things that... Um, that taste good and are made of good things, not the off the store or not off the shelf, you know, junk food, so to speak, and acknowledging at the same time that we're all human. Well, she, Danielle Walker, has a new book and it's called Food Saved Me. This is a little bit more of a memoir around finding health and hope when you have, in her case, she had an autoimmune disease. So for over a decade, Danielle has been a pioneer in leading the movement to eat healthy food that also tastes great, that is free of the things that are bad for us and doubling down on those things that are good for us. I have found a lot of wisdom from her and I know you will too. This conversation is awesome. Enjoy it. I'm going to get out of the way. Yours truly in conversation with Danielle Walker. Hey, this episode of the Chase Jarvis Live Show is powered by Creative Live. Now, if you've been in my orbit long enough, you know that for the last decade, my own creativity has been largely focused on building creative life. Sure, I've done all kinds of side projects. I've had books and shoes, and I shoot occasionally a campaign, direct a commercial, but Creative Live has been my focus. They are also the underwriter for this show. And that's the reason you don't hear me interrupt the conversation with advertisements every 15 minutes, but it goes way beyond that. You know that I believe so deeply in the power of creativity to affect change, to get us unstuck and to unlock the things, the beliefs, the dreams that we have for this one precious life. And the best way to do that, bar none, is through subscribing to Creative Live. That unlocks more than 2,000 classes. Each of those classes used to cost between 100 and 150 bucks, and now you can unlock all of them. That's tens of thousands of hours from the world's top creators for one low price, all under 149 bucks. So where should you go to get this offer? Go to creativelive.com slash creator pass. All one word, creativelive.com slash creator pass. We're adding new classes every week and we're always streaming free content if you're new to the platform and you want to check it out. If you happen to be one of the listeners that already has a subscription, Thank you so much, and let me know what you learned most recently. I always love hearing your stories, and I'm always happy to amplify and give you a high five on social. Now, if you do not have a subscription, this is the time to go check it out and sign up. Danielle, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really happy to have you and uh, congrats on the new book and all you have achieved. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I, I love your work. Uh, I was 
chatting yet before we went, uh, we, we pressed record here and was sharing that my wife Kate and I have been longtime fans, which is where I first was acquainted with your work through cookbooks. And yeah. we, make, uh, we make a lot of stuff out of your book, uh, Eat What You Love, uh, Everyday Comfort Foods. And I'm wondering for the handful of people before we dive into who you are, what you're about, your, your, uh, your passions and specifically the book, give us a little bit of an overview, uh, maybe a, a couple of dots of, of historic context and then what it is you're focused on in case people are not familiar with your work. Sure. Yeah. So Eat What You Love is my fourth cookbook and it's actually my favorite because it's all comfort foods that are done in a healthier light. And I think that if you're flipping through there, I feel like it brings a lot of hope that you can still really enjoy the food that you love, but in a healthier fashion that's actually healing for your body. And that's kind of where my mission began. I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease when I was 22 and the medications and everything else were just making everything worse. And I finally, after a long time, figured out that food could really make a massive impact on my day-to-day -day symptoms. And so I started out as a food blogger um, and since then have written three New York Times bestselling cookbooks. And it's really, it's my mission in life is just to make food that still looks and tastes and feels appetizing, um, but that isn't detrimental to our bodies. And there's over 50 million people with autoimmune diseases. So it's not just not just for me, it's for, for everybody out there that's suffering, that, that wants to still be able to enjoy food and all of the nostalgia and traditions that are tied to it. Well, I've got, uh, I'm going to put a marker down here and then I'm going to go back and ask you a slightly different question, but yeah. there's so many people in my life, uh, some close family who have autoimmune disease and for whom food has been something that when they are able to, um, take it seriously and prioritize it, yeah. that it has, you know, been a huge part of their healing journey. So you mentioned there's 50 million people and I want to acknowledge that group and your past, but I also want to talk if you can about just the healing nature of good food relative to so much other stuff in the world. You talked about tasting good and, and my experience going to so many Western doctors is there's no conversations about food. And so I'm curious where in your journey did you say, Hey man, this is actually proactive and we can, you know, build uh, a healthy, a healthy body, a, a healthy uh, ecosystem by putting good things in it. Yeah. Eh, gosh, it's hard to exactly pinpoint it. Um, all of my doctors said that food wouldn't make a difference. And it took me being in a hospital in Uganda, of all places, the story is in Food Saved Me in the new book. Um, and actually of the doctor that was there, he was from London, but he had lived in Uganda for years. And he was the first one to ever talk to me about uh, gut bacteria, which I had no understanding of, even now being newly diagnosed with a digestive disease uh, and really just about how, how what we eat, how what we do, just our lifestyle can affect that microbiome. And so that was really, I think, the first point where I was like, oh, wow. This is all internal. There is something happening in there. You know, I mean, I think I maybe like heard that yogurt had some probiotics, but we're like talking like the sugary stuff in the store that might have had like one strain and probably didn't do a whole lot. Um, and so that was really like the first point. And then after that, 
being online and just finding other people who had tested out different ways of eating um, and reading their personal stories. Because while the doctors I trusted because they had studied a lot, they didn't study nutrition. And they also didn't actually have any experience with having the disease personally. And so as I started finding people with similar ailments that had found healing with food, I believed them because I'm like, you actually know what is happening in your body. You can pinpoint this. You've seen yourself you know, get into remission or have your symptoms lessened. And so that was kind of the the biggest turning point for me when I was like, I need to try this and see if this works for me. I'm, I'm in your book right now. Uh, again, <laughs> she mentioned it in case you missed it. Uh, food saved me. It's a memoir. Uh, again, I'm very familiar with your work from cookbooks, but, uh, the, the subtitle is my journey of finding health and hope through the power of food. And I've also seen the photographs of you lying on that looks like a, a piece of wood. I mean, it, it was a like piece of wood, <laughs> a piece of wood in Uganda. And, um, there's another sort of, a, 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 some lore about you recognizing this and turning your kitchen at home into somewhat of a laboratory to experiment. And right now I'm sure there are thousands of people who are listening or watching this show. Uh, maybe they're on a treadmill or commuting to work or whatever. And, this, the, the idea of turning their kitchen into a laboratory sounds overwhelming. And <laughs> yes. Most people, you know, they want a, a quick and easy fix. So at the risk of, you know, oversimplifying your life's work around food and, and the, you, you know, diagnosing and then treating yourself, just give the folks at home some simple guidelines and, you know, based on your experience and the work in, in the lab, yeah. Yeah. Well, so first of all, if it sounds intimidating or daunting to turn your kitchen into a laboratory, that's why I've written all my books because it was not an easy process. I did not go to culinary school, but I knew that it was necessary because I couldn't eat like grilled chicken and steamed broccoli for the rest of my life. And I feel like anybody that's ever either had to change anything about the way they eat, you know, had a food allergy, tried a certain way of eating for, you know, 30 days, whatever it is, it is intimidating because everything that you know and love feels like it's going to be lost. Um, there's a story, like an opening story about Thanksgiving in this book and just that feeling of like, I'm never going to be able to enjoy the foods that I loved again. Um, and so I really, the, the message of the book is listening to your body. So what I ended up having to do was cut grains, dairy, legumes, refined sugar, and anything processed, right? But some people can tolerate some dairy or some people, you know, might be able to tolerate soaked legumes. And so it's starting out at that point. I give some guides in the back about just here's what to start with, you know, give this 30 days, kind of an elimination diet. Here's some grocery lists. Here's things to just get you started that make it really simple. But then really, really focusing on what your your individual body is telling you, and then you can kind of hone it in from there. But yeah, in a that's that's it in a nutshell. And it's it's about five years of of going through every single hoop possible to try to figure out what worked for me, and and then realizing after I started blogging that it wasn't just for me. It was you know for like I said, just millions of people. I've received hundreds of thousands of messages over the years from everything from joint pain to rheumatoid arthritis to MS, you know, just this massive array of different ailments, different autoimmune diseases, chronic illness that, that people found this way and the way that I was eating and my recipes could help. What, what's the reason, what's the cause of the food that's in our universe mm -hmm. ultimately being 
bad for us. I mean, let's look back, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, we've been eating, you know, meat, whether it's raw or cooked and stuff out of the ground and stuff on the bushes for a long time. And why is food such a, um, a culprit in today's diet? Yeah. I think that the food that we eat now is not at all what it used to be like back, back in the day. Um, and I'm not a scientist. I am not a doctor. I have just learned so much over the years. And so I really tried to lay out kind of I, what I think are the different culprits in this book in, in as much of layman's terms as I can, because that's the way I needed to understand it when I was in the height of, you know, my disease and trying to figure things out. I think, I think not only is everything really processed, I think the gut microbiome is completely off, especially in the United States and everything in my opinion. And from everything that I've read leads back to the gut, um, which then also brings in inflammation. It brings in your immune response to things. So there's a lot of different things, but really, you know, I mean, gosh, our, the majority of our immune system is housed in our gut. Inflammation can start in our gut. So if things are not working well in there, which leads back to the food that we're consuming, then everything can go haywire. So I think, I think there's a lot of different reasons, but I think inherently the way that I eat is, is anti-inflammatory. You're cutting a lot of those things that can cause inflammation in your body. And the majority of illnesses or even just daily aches and pains stem from inflammation. So starting with your diet, you know, and cleaning that up to get it to be inflammation or less, less inflammation friendly, I should say, is just, it's, it's like the first step. And what's, I mean, I think a lot of people who are listening here, they're, you know, our watchers and listeners, they're here because they want, if not peak performance, they're as a, a desire and endeavor to do better, to live a richer, healthier life, to pursue your dreams. And yeah. obviously, you know, sickness gets in the way of that. But this term inflammation gets thrown around so sort of casually. And if you're not in the business as you are, or if you haven't read your books like I have, I'm aware of this and passionate about food. But for someone who's listening and not like, okay, inflammation sounds good when I roll my ankle and it, if it's inflamed. I know that's bad. I can take some Advil <laughs> and the swelling goes down. But talk about inflammation in the body, how it gets there, why it's bad, and why the foods that you're suggesting and that you have researched in your experience um, are antithetical to this, you know, horrible thing, inflammation. Yeah. I mean, gosh, that's, that's going to be a question that I'm like, I might need to go look that. I need to go get a definition for that. Again, I'm like, I'm a cookbook author. Um. (laughs) No, I I mean, but that's what I love about your work is it's, it puts things in layperson's terms and in like, I don't need to know the cellular root cause of inflammation, but (laughs) why is inflammation, you know, bad and, and why are the foods that you're prescribing, you know, how do they not inflame you? Like, you know, some low grade, uh, rice or something. Yeah. I mean, I think like I've learned mostly for, for my disease, for autoimmune diseases specifically, but when you're, when there is inflammation in your body, your body is trained to go and try to fight that off. Like that's, that's what it does. That's why the bodies are pretty miraculous. And so it wants to try to heal those things. And if it's just this long-term, you know, chronic inflammation, which is what I had, especially in my colon, you know, causing that to be inflamed all the time is then what set my autoimmune disease off, which is essentially in, in a very like easy way to 
explain it, it's your body is attacking an otherwise healthy organ. And that can be different, you know, depending on what you have. Psoriasis, it can attack your skin, you know, different, different things, your joints for rheumatoid arthritis. For mine, it was attacking my colon and, and the inflammation in there was causing the body to kind of react in that way. Um, and so, and then also just with, with ulcerative colitis, having inflammation in there is what causes the pain and, and all of that. Um, and so getting that down by reducing things like refined seed oils and sugars and the things that, that cause that to spike uh, is what has been essential for me to find the health and, and just the reduction of symptoms. So reduction of symptoms. I like that you, I think I like that you couched your answer in the reduction of symptoms. But we also are talking, the goal is health here, right? So you're reducing symptoms and then how by reducing symptoms, like on, how do we get to health? Because I think people who are watching and listening, that's what they want. I want to eat in a way right. that promotes health, not just not being sick, but actually can make me stronger, healthier, make my life, you know, more vitality. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I focus on a few things. I think again, going back to that, but that gut microbiome, also things like bone broth that are helping to strengthen the gut, which again, like just even if you don't have an autoimmune disease that's in the gut, like I do, so much stems from there. And so in general, keeping that healthy, you know, I mean, it can reduce, like I said, our, our immune system is housed there, right? So we have better capability to fight off just general like infections and run of the mill colds and flus. And I think, you know, those things are so important just in our day to day. I mean, like you said, if we have a sprained ankle or we have a headache or we have some pain after we work out and we take an Advil, that, that puts a bandaid on it and it can get it to, you know, go away for that day, but what's the root cause of it? And I think that's what I try to focus on. And, and I work with a functional medicine doctor to help me figure that out again. I'm like, this is so beyond my pay grade, but I'm trying to understand it in the best way that I can. But for me, it's, it's trying to fix those problems internally. And food has been, has one of, is one of the biggest things. I actually talk a lot in the book about how lifestyle in general is so important. Exercise, taking care of your mental health, sleep, rest, you know, all of those things, reducing your stress, those can all help, you know, internally. Um, but but yeah, I think there's also side effects of taking things like an Advil, right? Like it actually mm -hmm. can increase gut permeability. So then we're going all we're going back to that kind of it's like everything to me circles back to to your gut health. And so while you can take things to make the pain or the inflammation go away, it could actually have long-term side effects that then could cause, you know, more health things. So it's eating in a way that reduces all of that is preventative, you know, like you've said. It's it's not just about controlling like the symptoms as they come, it's about the long-term effects that it can have on your health. Yeah, this, this, I'm fascinated by the fact that we here in the Western world in it's August of 2021, when we're recording this, that there is still a debate around so much of the, the things that we receive from the doctor's office. I'm just going to go to steroid because you talk about it in the book. And if there's anybody out there who's been on, on a steroid, um, steroid has this miracular, miraculous effect of making you feel better on a very short time window. And, you know, simultaneously I've had people in my life almost die because they were misdiagnosed and it dramatically accelerated the thing that they had unbeknownst right. to the, and, and I don't want to throw, Western medicine under the bus because there's a lot of things that it does well, 
but the quick fix and for those people who are watching right now and you've received this or you've received steroids and haven't thought twice about it the quick fix is often sort of a the beginning stages of a cycle of a downward spiral and um you talked about that i think you you know when you were originally diagnosed and you got on a steroid there was a moment of feeling great and then Mm -hmm. You talked about the side effects, you know, um, I think you talked about, uh, insomnia was one of your main side effects, if I'm remembering correctly from the book. And, and yet we then often don't attribute that to the medicine that we're taking. So are you an advocate of avoiding Western doctors? Are you an advocate, like help, help reconcile this fast paced world where we need to, you know, get a pill to fix things and this long-term, you know, sustainable let's put good things in our body and over time good things are going to result help help us reconcile those things yeah am i an advocate of avoiding western medicine absolutely not am am i an advocate of being an advocate for yourself whether you're using western western eastern natural whatever you when any of those yes I, I do think, you know, and I've had, I, I talk extensively about all the different doctors that I've had and, and prednisone steroids was the first prescription that they would just write, you know, without really asking any questions, without telling you what the side effects would be. And it took me years of being on it first, then avoiding it for years and years before I ever asked, like, is there anything else, you know, and pushing and pushing and pushing about what I could do. And so Western medicine has saved my life multiple times. I had C-sections with my children. I might not have made it through them. I had a really bad flare-up that I catalog in the book my first time being hospitalized with this disease for a decade in 2019. And medication and being in the hospital saved my life at that point. So I am not opposed to it, but I am 100% an advocate for asking questions and trying to do your own research and challenging your doctors um, and really advocating for what you know is best because yeah so the the prednisone specifically i was on 100 milligrams at one point which a lot of people for inflammatory yeah <laughs> that's usually what people's eyes do when i tell them that um usually what people do for for you know inflammation low lying inflammation doctors will prescribe 5 10 milligrams you know something around that and so 100 gave me every single side effect in the book. I still have long-lasting vision problems from being on it. I still have long-lasting joint problems from being on it. Um, I also have problems with my metabolism from being on prednisone, all things that, and I've been off of it now for a a year and a half. It was was the first time I had to take it in over a decade, and I I took it in the hospital and then weaned off of it, and I'm still dealing with the long-term side effects of it. So, you know, I think it's really important to understand everything that you're taking, understand the long-term potential side effects, the long-term potential benefits. Um, But that's not really something that you're going to get from most doctors. You know, that's not Mm -hmm. the way that they've been trained to deal with patients. They also see a ton of patients. Um, They also are trying to move a lot of people through to, to get more people in the door. And so I think you really have to learn to do your own research, to, you know, to read about all the things and then weigh, weigh out your, your personal cost benefit analysis of those things. So this, I'm just going to keep pulling on this thread because I'm, again, sure. as I mentioned a moment ago, I just, I'm so in awe that we have done so many things well <laughs> in the modern Western world and how food seems to be this thing that, you know, simultaneously is mostly ubiquitous in a Western world 
and there's still so much complexity when it's, I mean, you just say the words and it sounds so obvious. If you eat things that are <laughs> good for you, then you will feel better than if you eat things that are bad for you. And I believe that most people, certainly the people who are listening to the show, can in some way identify that an apple is better than an Oreo, that a, <laughs> you know, a chicken breast and steamed broccoli is better than, uh, you know, a, um, bologna from Seven <laughs> Eleven. So, right. so help, I guess, you know, give us some context of, you know, how we don't have to you know, cook all of our meals from your cookbook as inspiring and tasty as hell as they are. <laughs> and, and like, where did this, where did this, was it just an education process for you on how to know what things were good for us in general? Or do you believe that there's an awareness of you can, that, that, that in pop culture that you can actually eat reasonably healthy and get so many of the benefits like help us navigate the day to day because people have kids and jobs and, you sure. know, busy lives. And, and sure we might, you know, cut a corner now and then, you know, I, I just, I had Swedish fish last night when I watched the movie, Swedish <laughs> fish and popcorn. Um, but I can tell you it tasted crazy to me because I don't eat that stuff normally. So, yeah. you know, where do we develop our radar and how do we know what's good for us? What are sources that we can trust besides obviously your books are legendary, but just orient the common human who's listening and make them feel okay about the choices that they're making and how to make better ones. Yeah, I think it starts with reframing your mindset and your priorities. You know, I mean, you mentioned being busy. Um, our our culture specifically in this country is to just keep ourselves so busy and cooking and sitting around the table with your family and enjoying a meal and, you know, prioritizing actually making something from real foods went to the wayside a long time ago. Um, and so I, I purposely named the book Food Saved Me because I want to focus on the benefits, right? Like I think mm -hmm. so much in our culture is villainizing the food and going on a 30-day diet and, you know, thinking about all the things that are bad for us and that are, you know, that are detrimental or make, yeah, just making, making food the bad guy. And I learned over the years that it's actually saving me. It's healing me. It's bringing back, you know, sitting around with my kids and my husband around a table and that, that need for community and connecting and, and food to me has always been that it's been the center of, of family time of, you know, meeting, meeting new people, having really difficult conversations, having great conversations. And so I feel like there's so much that goes into that, but I think the first step is, is framing food in a positive light that it, that it can bring so much to our, to our daily and just every everyday life right like from not only the internal like we're talking about but just that that aspect it can be great for our mental health it can you know i mean it's good for for relationships so i think once you realize that it can be healing and that it can be so beneficial in so many facets of your life then you start to realize that it should be a priority and i think i saw that more than ever in 2020 when we didn't have to be running to sports and we didn't have to be commuting to work we didn't you know have a billion things happening in our day we saw more people than ever in their kitchens experimenting with food cooking things because they finally felt like they had the time and i think 
people want to do it and they 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 appreciate it, but they don't they don't set time out for it. It's like the last the last priority, and that's why convenience foods, and that's why drive throughs, and that's why frozen foods, you know, have become so popular. So, I feel like that's the first step. The second step, you know, is to starting out easy. I think it can be really intimidating, especially if you're if you are really busy and you don't have a lot of time. But thankfully, you know, since I started eating this way in twenty. 2010, 2009, there was hardly anything on the market. I mean, you if you wanted to make yourself a meal with the way that I needed to eat, I had to go and get every single single ingredient. You know, it wasn't, there weren't any prepackaged things. And now you don't have to make your ketchup from scratch. You don't have to make your, you know, like ranch dressing, your beef jerky, all of your spices. Like you can actually go to the store and find healthier versions of the things that you used to love. So I would say starting there and, and utilizing some of those great brands that have convenience items is a huge, just good first step to make it feel a little less intimidating. Um, but, and then also, you know, starting out a few days a week, but in terms of voices to listen to that, I think lay it out really well. There's two specific doctors, Dr. Mark Hyman, and then Dr. Frank Lipman. Those are two that I feel like do it well, that, that give you the information that you need that have very similar, you know, beliefs to the way that I eat. But they also kind of give you the why behind it. Because some people are different. Like when I was really sick, I didn't want to know the why. I didn't want to research it. I didn't, I just couldn't deal with it. Just give me the list. Yeah. And I think, you know, for people who are chronically ill or people who are really busy, that's just something they can't, they don't, they don't need to understand or want to know at that point. They're just like, give me the bullet points. Let me just get, just get me started. Right. So I think it depends on what you're looking for. I think if you need to figure it out and understand the why first before you're ready to buy in, then those are two really great, great, great resources to listen to. Yeah. Mark Hyman's awesome. He also talks about food as medicine. He's got a a handful of books. If you're not familiar with uh, him and his work, thank you for recommending that. Now, one of the things that I love about talking very transparently about food as you have in your newest book, which we are today celebrating, Food Saved Me, My Journey of Finding Health and Hope Through the Power of Food, is the emotional and sort of spiritual uh, dialogue that we have with ourselves. I like to say that the most important words in the world are the ones that we say to ourselves. And mm-hmm. I have recently come through a, a period where someone very close to me was ill with autoimmune disease. And it seemed like there was a psychology around this that was very difficult to manage and in watching and observing and trying to help where possible that when you don't feel good, it's very difficult to take, you know, helping yourself seriously. And then if you don't help yourself and you're, oh, well, I'm still going to eat, I'm just going to have one sandwich a day and the bread in that sandwich is from a low quality source. And, you know, there's this cycle. And I'm wondering if you can talk about the psychological, the emotional and spiritual dialogue that you had to have with yourself. And then, well, and then I'd like to explore, you know, how you noticed that the food you were putting in to your body actually helped break that cycle. Or would you, I mean, I, I know from the book that you do attribute that to helping break the cycle because there's a bunch of stuff with gut health, but just yeah. talk to me about that sphere because you write so eloquently in the book about it. And I think that is a part where people don't even often know that why they don't feel well or unhappy, that it's a part of what they're eating and, and how that cycle fuels itself. Yeah, gosh, yeah. It's a cycle that is, I feel like, never ending. I mean, I definitely think I'm I'm in a much better place than I was. But yes, I talk a lot about at the beginning, not only grieving 
the fact that you've been diagnosed with this disease that's incurable, which autoimmune diseases, I think all of them that I know of, do not actually have a cure. Um, and so you're dealing with that, the mental effects of that, and this ideal that you had for your life, you know, completely now changing and trying to figure out what that's going to look like moving forward. I mean, again, I was 22. My, my husband and I had been married for like two months when I got diagnosed. So my whole life that I had laid out while we were engaged and all the thoughts that I had about my career and my, you know, future family and what life would look like, you know, all of a sudden was gone. And I had to re-figure out what that was going to look like with having a disease. Um, and then when I figured out that food could help, there was a whole second grieving process of, well, this is everything I know. You know, I thought I was going to host parties and make all my grandma's recipes and I don't know how to cook for Thanksgiving you know, using these ingredients. And so you go through all of these processes and quite honestly, I, I stalled my healing by years because I mentally couldn't commit to it. I would try it for a week and then we'd go out to dinner and I'd be like, oh, this, I can eat this, you know, tonight. Or we're having friends over, so I'm just going to throw it all out the window today and I'll get back on track on Tuesday. And your body can't heal that way. I mean, it's essentially like you've got an open wound on your arm and every time it scabs, you just keep, you know, taking it off. Like it's just never going to have a chance to fully heal if you just keep going back and forth. And so it took me quite a few years to learn that. And it was not until my son, my oldest son was nine months old and I was hospitalized again for, you know, weeks and I was bedridden for months and I missed his first steps. And there was just this really dark time when I couldn't take care of my son. That was like my kind of aha moment. And I feel like everybody has to have their own. Nobody can tell them what to do and have them, you, you won't stick to it unless you internally decide this is my reason, this is my why. I've seen this work and now like I have to, you know, I have to stay this path. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of mental hurdles, not only just from the, the food side, but to just figuring out what life looks like with that disease and not wanting to be a burden to people. Um, that's another side with autoimmune. You say your friend, you know, has an autoimmune. The majority of autoimmune diseases are nearly invisible to like anybody else that's around that person. I mean, I could look like this and I could be incredibly sick inside. Um, and so there's people who just walk around feeling terrible all the time, but to anybody around them, unless they're vocal about it and really honest, you know, then they may not know that they're, su they're suffering and that they're struggling. And that's a whole other, you know, thing about being in, being in your own head and not wanting to, to burden people and not wanting, or not, and people not understanding what you're going through. If what was your first step or what, what would you, maybe not yours, but what would you recommend? Because this, you can understand the paradox, right? Of, yeah, I don't know. I don't feel myself. I don't feel great. I don't know if I feel bad enough to go to the doctor because the doctor is going to say what's wrong with you. And we already talked about the, oh, yeah, he's going to give me a pill or not tie it to food. Or maybe she'll, you know, ask me to, you know, change my something else. But what is, is it, is it blood work? Is it, where do you, for someone who's like, I'm intrigued by this. I don't feel great. Haven't felt great for a while. What's what, you know, what's the Danielle Walker prescription of the place to start? Gosh. Well, I think it depends if you have a diagnosis or not. Um, I don't think that it can hurt to just do a 30-day elimination diet, uh, the guide kind of in the back, but those things that I talked about cutting out. And you have to keep track though. You can't just you know cut them and then not pay attention. You also can't cut one and not another, or cut one for a week and then add something. Like It has to be 
a systematic approach to, you know, doing the elimination, but then adding one food back in at a time to really be able to see what's, what's happening. Cause you can't pinpoint something if you're kind of just jumping back into it. Um, so I think that can be the first step because I don't think that it can be harmful. And then if you don't have a diagnosis, yes, I mean, I still think it's really important to work with the doctor and get the blood work done, get the testing done. So you at least know what you're dealing with, because I think there's, you know, there's hundreds of different types of autoimmune diseases. And then obviously, like we've said, so many more just different ailments and aches and pains. And I think when you can actually pinpoint what you have, that can really dictate your, you know, your, your path, your, your treatment path. Uh, I do really suggest just trying to find an integral medicine doctor or a functional MD. I really love that they're they're an MD and they can prescribe medications when they're needed because that they they are needed, you know, here and there. And um, but that they look they look internally and they're they're not just putting a band-aid on it. They're figuring out why, you know, what's happening in your body. And and that is that's blood work, that's stool tests, that's the the whole gamut. Um, but they're they're actually running all those things to try to figure out how we can help, you know, that problem from the inside out rather than just sending you out the door with with a band-aid that's gonna rip off at some point. <laughs> Yeah, and again, in case you missed that, that's functional medicine doctors and integrated. Usually, the, those are the two terms that. Uh, am I state restating yeah. that correctly, Danielle? No, yeah. Yep. And yeah, I mean, there's so many different types of practitioners, but I found over the years, I, I saw naturopaths, I saw, you know, chiropractors, I saw, I saw so many different, and they all helped in their own way. But I just felt, especially with having such a severe case of my disease, I felt so comfortable being with somebody who I knew if I needed to have preventative measures, Western medicine come in and, and help save me, that they could do that, but that they also weren't just looking to write a prescription and get me out the door. They were really looking to work with me and figure things out. Yeah. Um, I would, it would be a, I think a fair confession if my wife Kate was sitting right here, she would feel okay with me saying that she had a <laughs> lot of food sensitivities and you know, this idea of trying to manage and process all this stuff, you got elimination diet and you got to, there is, you know, from my personal experience, watching Kate and reading your book and eating the food that you, you know, my message would be, there are, there, you can do this. You can get better and food yeah. can still be joyful and a treat and every bit is good, if not much better than anything you would be, you know, denying yourself. But right. part of what, you know, there's a great piece of the book um, as someone who's ridden shotgun for, I mentioned some family members and my wife's sensitive to a number of things. Um, there's a note from Ryan yeah. in the book. Yeah. And I'm wondering, and, and this is for if you yourself who are listening right now or watching might not have issues or concerns about people in your life, um, or sorry, about yourself, but you do for other people in your life, I'm wondering if you can put a little context. It's just a beautiful, a beautiful piece in the in the uh, epilogue uh, from Ryan. I, I resonated a lot with it. And so how would you well, just recap that briefly and then yeah. you know, give us a prescription, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I really was adamant on including him in that book because my story is my story, but he's been a part of that and he's had his own struggles with, you know, being the loved one or the spouse of somebody that, that suffers with chronic illness. And again, like that was day one, you know, we got married and we, we practically, I had it from the get go. So I also really wanted him to speak into just the mental and kind of emotional effects that it has on the person that is, is is close to somebody because not everybody has an autoimmune disease, but I would bet my life that, that 
everybody knows somebody who has something, you know, who's suffering with something. And you want to know how to be there for them. You want to know how to be their support system. You want to understand from, you know, what their perspective is, what they go through. I think that's so important. And, and, and as the person who is sick, it's so important to have that person. It doesn't matter if it's your spouse, your neighbor, your, you know, your mom, your dad, whoever it is, you can't go at it alone. And so he came to the book with the perspective of just trying to give some very, he's, he's a very analytical, very just like to the point person. <laughs> he's an engineer. Um, and so he, he kind of wrote, while mine is very story oriented, his is like, here's here's some bullet points. Here's how to like jump in and be the person that's the support system for, you know, your wife or your sister, or your mom. And then he also wrote from the perspective of here's how you have to take care of yourself because being a quote unquote caretaker, you know, even though I'm not sick all the time, there are very, very hard places in our life where he's really had to step in and be, you know, both mom and dad to our three kids, be the advocate for me at the hospital with my doctors when I'm incapacitated and can't speak, be the one that's, you know, working full time, but also trying to get kids to school and sports. And it can be really, really draining. And, you know, when I'm going through it, unfortunately, I can't really think of much else besides just trying to get better and get out of the hospital or get back to my kids or, you know, whatnot. And so he gave some really practical tips for just also how to take care of yourself as the caregiver and and how when he realized, you know, he he is what's, you know, what's the saying? You can't you can't drink from an empty cup. Is that the right way? <laughs> um, and yeah. just realizing and you like- put your he, own oxygen mask on before assisting yes. other passengers. <laughs> yes. All of those, all of those things, you know? And so, yeah, he really realized that like, if he was wearing himself down to nothing, then he couldn't be there for, for me, for the kids, for himself, for his job. And so just some really practical tips on how to take care of yourself and also how to be there and be the support system for the, for your loved one. And I, I think it's, it's essential um, for, for people to try to understand. And that's kind of my hope for the book is even if you don't suffer with something particularly that you'll be able to read it and know how to be there for somebody that, that you love. It's as someone who has been in that role, it was so eye opening and enlightening and please thank Ryan for me. And I think, you know, there's this, there's a great relationship between the person who's trying to fix their gut or has had, you know, food sensitivities or, heaven forbid something as, as extreme as you went through hospitalization. But, you know, there's a, um, just the relationship that, that, uh, if you have as a, as a friend or a partner to that, that person and the, the self-care that you talked about and Ryan just did such a great job. So please give him a thank you. Um, I will. I, yeah. I, I also want to take a moment and, um, just express a, sincere aspect of gratitude because I think you are just the path I'm watching your journey from cookbooks to now this memoir. And to me, we are in a moment where food is, there's more awareness about quality food than ever before. The belief that that used to be so expensive in, in order to eat this way, that, that, well, there's that's that persist, that perception may persist some places You've done such a good job, and there are so many great resources in Food Saved Me. Even just lists of key words, I remember, like just of yeah. course lists of things to a- avoid, but listen, like not just in the negative things. Like here's what you should look for: grass-fed, sustainable, hormone-free, wild-caught. These there's a vocabulary that if you're listening to this, food is in, of interest to you. If you don't feel your best, this is a great very reasonable and rational place to start. Get a functional medicine doctor, get an you know, integrated doctor. Um, so this is just a thank you for 
being part of the solution for our culture. It is super inspiring to read your story. Um, I cannot recommend your book enough. And thank just you. a heartfelt thank you. It's incredible the work that you've done. Thank you. I appreciate that. I try, I've always tried to make it as approachable for everybody as I could, because I, I know the feeling of feeling really intimidated and having it be really daunting. So, and again, I'm just like a normal person. And so I try to every, take everything that I learn and put it back out there in normal person terms. So I appreciate that. Well, and thank you for being vulnerable too. It's, you know, so many books start out if you're, you know, if you never are imperfect and you just eat perfect forever, then you'll never be sick versus right. coming from a, a vulnerable place where health has been challenged or you're eating, you know, you're trying to reconcile this. I know it's good for me, but I just love pizza <laughs> yeah. or whatever. So there's so many of those things that like you've taken these rough edges off of a culturally charged topic. And thank you for inspiring me. I'm a big I'm a, I'm a foodie because I love food. And so I originally was attracted to your cookbooks and to get the rest of the story has been eye-opening and super important. So congrats, Thank you. I appreciate congrats that. on the new book. And Thank you so again, much. I do. I want to just re-say it again for those folks uh, in case you missed it. Uh, food saved me. My journey of finding health and hope through the power of food um, just Congrats. It's so good. And I also steer people, if I may, to your blog, which where you've always got new recipes and stuff going on. <laughs> but now that I've got to say all my stuff and tell people where to go, <laughs> please, are there, is there any place in the world or on the internet that you would direct the attention of this community who's listening and whose attention you have right now? I mean, I hang out the most on Instagram, so you can find me there at Danielle Walker. Um, like you said, free recipes over on my blog. We're throwing a book release party on September 13th. Uh, you know, this day and age, it's going to be digital. Had to cancel the in-person tour, which is a bummer, but we've got really fun things planned. Um, so you can tune in and we'll be cooking. I'll be telling more of my story. The special guest, we've got giveaways. Um, that's September 13th. And you can you can find tickets. You can just go to my Instagram and find them there. But yeah, that's that's what we've got going on right now other than this this book release and then yeah <laughs> and you get guy Roz, right co-hosting that with yes you. He's yes guy Roz is co-hosting yep friend friend of the community here so uh check it out and again epic book congratulations so well timed thank you and uh i'm i'm really excited to see this hit the bestseller list again you're just, oh, this gosh. Is just like I... four already right <laughs> Four is that right? Uh, three, three. three. I've already. written four books. Yeah, you know, wow. one was the the elusive New York Times. One did not hit it, but yeah, you know, this one for me is it's just I I don't even care about those things. I just want it to try. I want to help people. I I put my soul in every bump and setback and every triumph into that book in hopes of of hoping that other people would have less bumps, you know, that they could learn from the things that, that I learned from. And so, yeah, as long as it gets into the hands of people who need it, that's all that matters to me, <laughs> but it and would be nice. It would be nice. It, fingers crossed. You don't need those accolades anymore. You're onto a higher <laughs> mission. Uh, thank you. And I'm also going to sneak one other recommendation there speaking to my community here. The book, uh, eat what you love everyday comfort food is awesome. That's just oh, awesome. My wife and I cook thank regularly. I think that was, you know, a book from like 2018 or something like that, where yep, I originally exactly. got from it at your work. 
so much good stuff. And if you like concepts just like, oh, I like like rich, cheesy pastas and I like all these things and you've just got great solutions in there and uh, it's been a big part of, uh, of our lives. So thank you again. I appreciate that. Not to put you on the spot, but what's your favorite recipe from the book? Oh, well, Kate does yeah. most of the cooking out of the book. So okay. To eat there, it. I'm like, what's your favorite to of, enjoy? A lot of uh, substitutions for things like ca- using cauliflower instead of crappy rice grains. Using yeah. um, oh, all the one pot stuff. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So if, yeah, just if, if you're new to this uh, Instapot or one pot, like you put everything in there. Um, cause Kate and I have, are professionally both very busy. So yeah, I mean, just, she throws all this stuff in there and then, you know, we come home and a couple hours later, you've got this incredible meal and, you know, there's a, a vibe of like casserole from the seventies that it doesn't, you know, it's not like yes. that at all. It's so fresh. I mean, we were on an Instapot tear, a friend of ours gave us one and, like your cookbook was the go-to for that. So anything oh, out glad. of the, anything out of the Instapot. Um, anyway, again, All right, big well, fan. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> awesome. Thanks again. Good luck on your tour. Uh, thank you. Friends, you know, you know that it's really important to support Danielle uh, in the week of her pub. So now go check it, check it out. Please pre-order uh, food saved me. You will not be disappointed until <laughs> next time. Everyone out there in the internet land, I bid you, Adieu. <laughs> All right, real quick. Hey, before you go, if you know anything about me or my work, you know how deeply I believe in the power of creativity. It's so core for a successful, fulfilling life. I mean, that life cannot be built by accident, right? That's only an accumulation of intentions and daily choices and actions and the stories we tell ourselves about what's possible with this one precious life. Well, I want you to know that I wrote a book specifically about this. And if you enjoy the show and you don't yet have the book, I think uh, I think you ought to because I think it's an incredible companion to all the work, the 10 years we put into making this show. The book is called Creative Calling. You can get it, of course, at, at Amazon or, or your local bookshop or anywhere books are sold or at creativecalling.com. Uh, but there is a creative process I outline in the book, a series of daily habits. It's very, very actionable. And again, wherever you are on your path, whether you're just starting out or you're a veteran, um, if I don't, if that book doesn't add value to your life, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of five-star reviews on Amazon. So if that book doesn't uh, add value to your life, then you can message me personally, and I will, I will get you your 15 bucks back for the hardback edition. Uh, I just want you to know that if, if you're new here or you haven't checked out the book, please do and let me know what you think. All right. Thanks again. And we'll see you uh, the next episode.